Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio, and how the tech are you? It's time for the tech news for Tuesday, March 14th, 2023. And first up, happy Pi Day, everybody. That's 314, Pi Day, at least the way we do dates here in the United States. All right, today we're going to be looking at a lot of updates to stories that we've been following for a while. Uh, I should probably start by saying that the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, or SVB, and the U.S. government's response to guarantee depositors access to their funds continues to arguably be the biggest story right now at the moment. There are countless articles and explainers on it, including yesterday's episode of this very podcast. So if you want to know more, you can listen to yesterday's episode. I talk all about the bank and what led to the collapse I will say that it was pretty interesting to see a bunch of important folks in tech and investment cry out for a bailout when some of these folks are the same who will typically criticize those kinds of decisions. 
I guess when it's your money, it's important enough for a bailout. But if it's someone else's money, they should have known better. Anyway, I'm grateful that the relief provided by the government means that folks who work for companies that banked with SVB can continue to be paid because goodness knows none of this is their fault. Also, to those same tech billionaires who helped fuel the panic that led to the collapse in the first place, you're all idiots. I know that's just an opinion, but at this point, point, I feel like I could say like it's a fact. They fueled the crisis that they were scared of. Like They are the reason why it happened. Their attempts to avoid the problem created the problem. All right, uh, enough of that. Earlier today, news broke that Meta plans another round of layoffs, this time affecting around 10,000 staff. Last year, Meta laid off 11,000 employees. These new layoffs are going to stretch over the next few months. Mark Zuckerberg explained that the company is restructuring and will be, quote, focused on flattening our orgs, canceling lower priority projects, and reducing our hiring rates, end quote. The earlier round of layoffs last year already took a big swing at reducing the vertical dimensions of Meta's hierarchy, you know, flattening it out. So it sounds to me like this move is really going to affect middle management a lot. Zuckerberg also warned that he suspects the economic conditions that we're in right now could continue for several years. Apparently, one area Zuckerberg is still gung-ho on supporting would be any area relating to the Metaverse initiative including augmented and virtual reality projects. And maybe those projects really will pay off in the long run. And maybe I'm just a negative Nancy about this whole thing. But if you've been listening to tech stuff, you know, I've been worried about it. Uh, I've been worried about the, the potential for success down the road and also worried about it creating an even deeper and wider digital divide than what already exists. To put a cherry on top of all this, after this announcement went public, Meta's stock price rose by around 5%. And here's where you can just insert a random rant by yours truly about how layoffs often make investors happy because they look at it as reduced costs and thus more profit. But I know I'm a broken record, so we'll just keep on going. Sticking with Meta, the company has warned the Canadian government that should the government pass the proposed Online News Act, Meta will block links to news sites on Instagram and Facebook in Canada. So this is similar to a situation that unfolded in Australia. And what we have here is a pretty complicated situation. All right, so let's start with this proposed law. It would allow media companies to negotiate with platforms like Facebook to secure a revenue sharing agreement for links to news sources on Facebook. So when links to news sources appear on Facebook, the revenue that Facebook generates from people scrolling through all of that would be shared. You know, some percentage of that would be shared with the media companies. Now, the media companies are arguing that their work is showing up on Facebook, which means the content is being seen by Facebook users and presumably adding value to their Facebook experience. But the media companies aren't seeing any rev share for their content being shown on Facebook's platform. And yes, if someone does click through the link and goes to the article, well, then the media company gets the page impression that way, right? Like they get the, the little counter goes up by one. But the media companies are saying that they're providing value to platforms like Facebook 
but they're not getting the rev share back in return so that meta is is profiting off of the media companies without giving anything back and meta's argument is hey we don't post those links that's not us those are posted by our users and we can't be held accountable for what our users post so as long as those posts don't violate any of our policies it's allowed that's on the user and essentially meta is saying that the company isn't exploiting these news sources at all because they're not the ones posting them on top of all this we have the very real problem of funding for journalism uh that there's a lack of funding and that lack of funding means that in the absence of good journalism we end up with bad cheaper journalism and that in turn means people are less informed overall and they're more likely to encounter misinformation and bias and propaganda and that collectively this represents a decline in the public good so like i said this is a complicated situation i honestly don't know what the right approach is now down in australia meta eventually agreed with a final version of a similar law results there have been mixed I wouldn't say that it was a huge success on either side and Meta seems determined to fight similar legislation in Canada and here in the United States so we'll have to see where this goes and again I honestly don't know what the right way forward is here this one is is really complicated okay pop quiz time what do the United States Taiwan India Canada the European Union and the Netherlands which I understand is in the EU but this is a little bit different what do they all have in common well, all of these countries uh, and the EU have banned TikTok to some extent on the grounds of national security concerns. Most of those countries and organizations have restricted the ban to government-owned devices. So that just means that government employees are not allowed to install TikTok on their work device, but they could still put it on their personal device if they wanted to. India did go a little harder on this. But then India has also been banning China-based apps for a while and has had border disputes with China in the recent past. So, you know, you can see where that would be a more extreme stance than in other countries. Well, now the regional government of New South Wales in Australia may soon be joining this list of government agencies that ban the use of TikTok on government-owned devices. The Guardian reports that while there is a policy that requires government employees to clear any app with their superiors before they can install it on a government-owned device, there is no policy specifically about TikTok, but this could potentially change. At the moment, each department within the New South Wales government has the authority to decide its own policies, so it's kind of a department-by-department -department basis. But there could potentially be a government-wide ban that would trickle down to every single department. Uh, that is a possibility. It, apparently, New South Wales is also looking at the overall government of Australia uh, for, for some guidance on this as well. So we'll have to see if New South Wales joins the list. Ars Technica, which is one of my favorite websites. I mean, I'm being serious here. It is fantastic. It has a great piece titled, Why Sony Says It Can't Trust Microsoft's Call of Duty Offer. One word, Bethesda. So, this all has to do with the planned acquisition of Activision Blizzard by the aforementioned Microsoft. You might remember that Microsoft announced this planned deal last year, and that the companies had hoped to complete the acquisition by this summer. 
Activision Blizzard produces several popular video game franchises, including Call of Duty, and this has prompted Sony to protest vociferously to this acquisition. And Sony has been lobbying regulators in the EU to block the acquisition from happening, saying that it would be a reduction in competition and create an unfair monopoly situation with Microsoft. Now, currently, regulators in the EU are considering Microsoft's appeal that's designed to try and rescue this deal. The decision on that is supposed to be made by late April. Microsoft says that it has extended an offer, a guarantee that Microsoft will produce Call of Duty for Sony's own consoles and release the title on the same day and date as when it will come out for Microsoft's consoles as well as PC. So in other words, saying Sony will get the equal access to the titles. There would be nothing different about them. They won't be inferior. They'll come out the same day. We will put this agreement in writing and we will guarantee it for 10 years. Sony's argument is that Microsoft has already shown its hand with Bethesda, which is another game producer that Microsoft previously acquired. And Sony's pointing out that Microsoft has announced that upcoming Bethesda titles like Starfield and the next Elder Scrolls game are going to be exclusive to PCs and Xbox consoles, that Sony console owners will not get access to these games, and that this shows how Microsoft, uh, you can't take them at their word. Microsoft is like, hey, we never once said that we were not going to do that with Bethesda. We never made a promise. The EU regulators kind of assumed that that was what Microsoft was going to do, that it was going to have these out for all the platforms. But Microsoft never actually said that. They're like, but this time we are saying that. So you can't say that we were dishonest because we never made a claim otherwise. And in this case, we are putting down in writing this agreement. So it's a pretty complicated and highly charged conversation going on. And I recommend you go check out the piece in Ars Technica if you want to learn more. Again, it's really well done. It's called Why Sony Says It Can't Trust Microsoft's Call of Duty Offer. One word, Bethesda. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got some more news to talk about. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare when you think about the future 
What kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. All right. Next up, Insider reports that the law firm Edelson has filed a class action lawsuit against the AI company Do Not Pay. Now, y'all might remember that Do Not Pay's CEO, Joshua Browder, has made some big claims slash publicity stunts relating to his company's AI system, which is meant to assist people in doing stuff like drafting legal documents and fight parking tickets and this kind of thing. It's been around since like 2015. The class action lawsuit alleges that do not pay is performing legal duties without first securing a law degree or a license. Further, the tool is not subjected to any supervision by a real lawyer and that the whole uh, thing has not ever been barred in any jurisdiction. Uh, Barred in this case doesn't mean prevented. It means the service has not passed the bar to serve as legal counsel in any jurisdiction. This is something lawyers have to do. Just because you're a lawyer in one jurisdiction doesn't mean that you can practice law in another one. You have to pass the bar in that jurisdiction. So as a result, the law firm Edelson is saying do not pay is practicing law without a license. Browder says his company will fight the lawsuit and that the whole reason he believes in the company in the first place is that he sees lawyers as manipulating and monopolizing the legal system to benefit themselves rather than their clients. Essentially that Lawyers exist to make lawyers rich and that your average citizen ends up being the victim of this legal system and that do not pay was meant to provide an alternative to securing a lawyer. Uh, But then the law firm is saying, well, that may be true, but, you know, you still have to play by the rules and you're not. So we'll see where this goes from here. A ransomware group called ALPHV, which uses malware that's called Black Cat, claims that it has compromised Amazon's Ring. That is the doorbell security camera system. It's been controversial because of reports that Amazon was sharing video from customer Ring cameras to law enforcement without the input of customers. Uh, There's a whole thing about that. But anyway, Amazon itself says that it doesn't have any evidence 
of a data breach in its systems, that this ransomware group did not breach Amazon systems, but that they did attack a third-party vendor and further indicated that this vendor does not actually have access to customer records. So apparently there was a successful ransomware attack. It was to a third-party vendor relating to Amazon's Ring product, but according to Amazon, it's not Amazon itself. It is not quite clear what information the hackers were able to access. They are threatening to leak that data should their demands not be met. This is where I remind everyone it's always a bad idea to pay off ransomware hackers because paying a ransom proves that the attack is profitable. It encourages future attacks against you and others because it worked. Plus, there's never a guarantee that the attackers are actually going to abandon plans to exploit compromised data down the road. They might just engage in some double dipping, as it were. Also, always practice good security protocol. Most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, these attacks come as the result of someone hand, handing over access because of a phishing attack or social engineering. So just practice good security. That cuts back on a lot of these attacks. Not all of them. Some hackers are more clever and find different ways to intrude on systems, but it will cut back on a lot of them. India's IT ministry has proposed rules that will require smartphone companies and carriers to make it possible for users to uninstall any pre-installed apps on a smartphone. And then new smartphones will have to be submitted to a government standards agency to make sure that they meet whatever those security standards are. So the reason the ministry gives for this move is related to national security. So the argument is that if phone manufacturers like Apple make it impossible to uninstall certain apps, maybe even just a small number of them, well, those apps become prime targets for hackers because the hackers know that everyone who has, say, an iPhone is definitely going to have the phone app on that iPhone because it's you can't uninstall it. So if you know that everybody who has that kind of phone is going to have the specific app, that gives you a target to aim for. You try and find a vulnerability in that app that you can exploit and potentially access any phone that has that app on it. So the IT ministry solution is to make every app uninstallable so that users could choose a different app that has the exact same functionality to handle those services. This would be a pretty big move, and it would potentially mean that, you know, in the future, India iPhone owners could do something unprecedented, like replace the phone app with a third-party option, not just adding an option, but removing the native Apple phone capabilities. Should these rules go into effect, India will give manufacturers a year to comply. Uh, reportedly, the meetings that were held about these rules uh, included representatives from the major manufacturing companies, including Apple. So yeah, really interesting to see where this goes from here. Finally, there's some hubbub surrounding a Samsung feature introduced in the Galaxy S20 Ultra smartphone. It's also in the S21. And the feature is called Space Zoom. And the way Samsung claims it works is that you take your smartphone, right? And you point that son of a gun at that thar moon and you take a photo using the Space Zoom feature, which Samsung casually calls the 100x Space Zoom. So presumably this means you could take a photo at 100 times magnification. And then this this app, this feature, the Space Zoom feature, 
according to Samsung, captures a whole bunch of photos in quick succession. So it takes a ton of pictures of the moon in just a split second, right? And then it uses AI to take the best features of each photo and stitch together a high quality image of the moon so that you get a much higher resolution picture of it. You can see things like craters and stuff. So while the preview image might just look okay, the final photo could be pretty stunning, which is really cool, right? Except there are folks claiming that this is not what Samsung is actually doing. They claim instead that Samsung is using neural links and, and a massive database of photos of the moon that were taken by high resolution telescopes, like a whole database of high resolution moon photography. And they're using that as reference material and that the AI is not combining a bunch of photos that you took. Instead, what it's doing is it's applying textures and sharpening features on the image you took using AI using the pre-existing high definition photographs as reference material. So the argument is that Samsung is using false advertising when it comes to how this feature actually works. So instead of it being this cool kind of in-camera system that's paired with AI to create the best possible photo, it's more like it's a Photoshop by AI feature. So yeah, clever Samsung. All right. That wraps up this episode of tech stuff. Hope you are all well. If you have suggestions for future topics, reach out to me. You can do so on Twitter. The handle for the show is Tech Stuff HSW, or you can let me know on the iHeartRadio app. It's free to download and use. Just navigate over to Tech Stuff. Use that little microphone icon you see. You can leave a 30-second voice message for me. Let me know what you would like to hear in a future episode, and I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.